Hey there, it's Arlen. Welcome back to your first million. You may know that I have a course called Investing as a Catalyst. What you may not know is that after you take the course, you get free access to another course called Investing Prep 201. And it has even more insights and, and nuggets to, to take with you. What I decided to do is for this podcast, I'm going to share a couple of those interviews that are in Investing Prep 201 for free so that you can get a taste of the types of interviews that come with that course. Investing as a Catalyst is less about interviews and more about me talking directly to you. Uh, There's a little bit of both, but it's uh, more so in Investing Prep 201 do you hear these interviews that um, are really, really cool and and, uh, we dive into topics that we learn in the first, first course. So this first one is directly from the course, actually just added it, and it is a free sample. If you want more, you go to arlen.capital, that's A-R-L-A-N dot capital. You sign up, there are monthly payment options, so um, a lot more people are signing up just because of that option. Uh, More than 150 people have gone through investing as a catalyst since late April 2021. And depending on when you listen to this, it could be a lot more. I want uh, you to have this access because it's important that we have more people like us investing, making investing decisions. And you do not have to be rich to make investments as an angel. You just don't. Or start your own fund if you're interested in that. Go to arlen.capital and enjoy this first interview that I'm giving to you free, uninterrupted. Hi, Maya. Hello. Maya, would you introduce yourself and your fund? Yes, my name is Maya Horgan Fumodu. I'm the founder of Ingressive Capital, which is an Africa-focused venture fund, a $10 million fund one, and we're in the middle of raising our $50 million fund two. And we also run Ingressive for Good, which is a nonprofit that provides university and micro scholarships, technical skills training, and talent placement for African youth. Incredible, incredible. And I, we met each other. I can't even remember what year it was. It feels like 2017. Yeah, culture shifting, yes. 2007, yeah, 2017, maybe 2018, 2000, yeah, maybe 2017 or 2018, around that I time. I remember meeting Sometime. you, like Long I went to the lobby in San Francisco, and I was, like, um, that, that's the time I remember, and like thinking, thinking through your, what you were doing, and that time, you know, backstage was just uh, really getting started. And I knew Mm -hmm. how difficult it was going to be. And you had all these pieces together. And I thought that your strategy was so clever. Can you talk a little bit about at least what it started out being? And and if it's still that the, the part about bridging, uh, bridging African companies to the U S. Yeah. So, um, we started a, a, a long circle of a route. Um, but to begin, I first tried launching a venture fund in 2014. Didn't get incredibly far because I had about a year of, of post-undergrad experience and um, and Africa really wasn't 
on anyone's radar at the time in 2014. It wasn't cool yet. And so we, instead of launching a venture fund, we launched an advisory firm that assisted the world's leading technology companies and um, and also venture funds to enter and operate across Sub-Saharan Africa. And then from there, after they got enough data that, wow, there is actually opportunities in Africa and we help them grow or do their biz dev and find investment opportunities in Nigeria and beyond. Then in 2017, they had enough data to actually invest in our vehicle. And then due to the nature of also, we were continuing to build an ecosystem. We acknowledged the fact we had a market make. So uh, about 80% of our limited partners run a later stage investment vehicles. So it was all thinking of like, okay, knowing that our end goal is a vibrant, technology ecosystem, billion dollar exits, blah, blah, blah. But how do we get from there to there acknowledging the ecosystem needs to be cultivated and investors need to be shown and understand the Africa opportunity. Yeah, and, and it sounds uh, because you've done it and because it, you, you, you're able to articulate it, it, it could sound like it was already figured out and it's even easy, <laughs> but my goodness, or simple, right? My goodness, mm -hmm. that's complex thinking and forethought were you, did you face a lot of people, like a lot of naysayers, or did that kind of um, proposal sound interesting to most people? Well, I didn't care if it sounded interesting or not, because at the beginning, you know, now it's like, you know, just focus. I understand the concept and I'm tired. I've been doing this for seven, almost eight years, and I don't have patience to convince anymore. So I'm like, oh, it's not interesting. <laughs> Anyways, next. But, yep. you know, at the beginning, I was literally, I went door to door. So I first started pitching this, like I, can't, I was in Nigeria, I was trying, why would Nigerian investors not want to invest in African tech? And I found people who built their wealth in traditional industry and extractive businesses do not understand software and cloud, like where in the clouds are, you know? So it, yeah. in 2013, 2014, the, our first investors that we, that we approached there were no leads generated. So then I went to Silicon Valley. I was like, who's the most risk tolerant investors of the most risk tolerant investors? And I was like, exited Silicon Valley investors. So I went to Silicon Valley, literally went door to door, knocking at VC firms uh, doors, you know, just finding the addresses being like, I'm not leaving until you send someone from your firm to come to Africa with us. So it was not necessarily, some of them, some of our initial investors and some of our initial clients were like, hey, you know, we've been thinking about Africa and this sounds like a great opportunity and, and great way that we can go about doing so. Others were like, I want this girl out of my office. What do I have to do to convince her to go? <laughs> and so it was a combination, um, definitely persistence and definitely spending a lot of time teaching the customer, which now I don't recommend our portfolio companies to do. And I don't, I won't ever do myself, but I think it took that sort of heavy lifting at the beginning to really show Silicon Valley and the world what's happening on the continent. Yeah, and I, I, I'm I, with you there because today, I mean, I think we drink from the same cup of effort. <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. like, you, you, I'm not going to try to beg you to be richer. Like, come on. Right? Yeah. But I think yeah. that it, we're able to do that because I think what we did early on was absolutely necessary to mm -hmm. agitate and to disrupt the way that we have. And, mm -hmm. and it's, um, it's probably going to be mostly thankless and kind of go, go on. And we, mm -hmm. we crawl so others could walk and fly hopefully. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think it's a great case study. Your, your work is a great case study for people who are using the excuse of, I have something going against me, you know, systemically, and I don't have a lot of resources and a lot of connections. 
Mm-hmm. I say all the time, there's so much you can do even in that situation, in those circumstances, because it's mm-hmm. about that will to do it. It's about that creativity that you have to tap into. And, and this has certainly begun to pay off for you. Can you talk a little bit about uh, a couple of uh, uh, early, not early, but a couple of um, um, success stories or what you consider to be the uh, the fruit of the thesis? Yeah. And and. Also, you know, to, to further portray how it was, I, I know I'm, I, I have my pitch down, but we started raising in 2017. We didn't close until, you know, the end of 2019. So it took us about two years, almost, almost two and a half years to raise the first fund. So 2019, we finally closed our, our 10 million and we're deploying 200 to $400,000 tickets. And then last year, 2020, we actually had our first exit. So um, I had also been, so we had our advisory firm that, you know, we were doing market research, investment tourism, all these things to generate the buzz and, and attract global investors and, and technology businesses to come to Africa. That was a profitable company. So I had been investing um, some, some of the profits into tech companies. And then when we launched the fund, I rolled the, those into the fund at cost, which is also for people just starting out, figuring out how do I attract investors? This is a really great way to already have um, a, sort of a, a portfolio that people know what they're investing in, especially if you're a first-time, uh, first-time manager. In any case, um, yeah, that that route of, uh, or some of some of our exits and that, and that route to get to um, liquidity uh, fortunately happened in 2020. So uh, our very first portfolio company, our very first fund investment, Paystack, sold to Stripe for a few hundred million. Uh, it was a 41X on our initial investment. So we had our first exit last year. And then about in the last quarter and a half, about two quarters, eight of our portfolio companies have raised material growth rounds. And that's a lot that means something, series Bs and series As, because we're 60% of our fund one portfolio is at or under a 2.5 million valuation. So we invest really early. Like we, all of our nonprofit 501c3 programs are sponsoring computer science degrees in universities. And then when these guys come out, we're their first checks. We want to be first checks or like, you know, one of the first checks in, in these early stage deals. Um, and thus, you know, these, these, we're seeing even 100x on our portfolio when we're coming in at a one, two, you know, sub 2.5 million valuation, getting to those venture sized returns happens um, a lot earlier than, than in other markets. That's incredible. And I, I as, a, as a, an LP, a limited partner who's invested um, a small amount in your first fund and, and gr- growing that into to your next fund, um, mm-hmm. and as someone who you know, I've invested in 20 funds and so I've watched it, but I've also, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that I've, I've built a fund. Um, that is incredible. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful thing that, that your first investment, 41X the investment amount you put in, but it's almost like, you know, we told you so, right? Isn't this, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that, what, what did you feel when you first heard about that? And, and be honest, I mean, it was there first like elation at first, you know, and then it was like, a COVID. yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, I practice, so I do 10 day silent meditation retreats every year. And I do a lot in self-development, self-work, which I think, you know, so much of our job is being people driven. And I, I strongly believe you're only, um, as your business is only as, as successful and, and only expands as much as your mental, emotional, you know, spiritual development. So I practice in, in saying all that I practice equanimity, which is, you know, I used to get really emotionally tied to the ups and downs of business, but that totally wasn't sustainable and would have like, I would be completely broken by now. And so 
I, when it happened, I was like, yeah, this is really great. But like, of course, I mean, it, it made sense. I don't think anyone was, was super surprised. And also, um, I, I try to stay one step removed from all of the volatility that happens in business and in the ecosystem on the day-to-day. So yes, it was amazing. Yes, we were like, of course, this is what's happening. Um, Paystick had been the golden child for a long time. And we, we were all very confident that something incredible would happen, whether he went public or, or, or was purchased or, you know, was um, acquired. Uh, but, but we tried mm-hmm. to, you know, keep it balanced. <laughs> and for L- potential LPs or um, I guess people just listening in the ecosystem, not necessarily people who would invest, but for people who don't know the ins and outs of a, of a smaller fund or a pre-seed fund, how mm-hmm. important was it that Ingressive or your entity was invested so early in Paystacks to their success? Right. What, what, what would you say is like the most helpful you all have been to them? Yeah. Um, so our fund, the way that the, the things that we focus on as far as portfolio support and how we add value to our companies, hiring, I mentioned, you know, our nonprofits trained 66,000 in the last 12 months, 66,000 people um, and, and, and provided tens of thousands of scholarship to African youth to study computer science, buy laptops, all that kind of stuff. So we have this incredible pipeline, like the last training cohort of 3000 members, I always say this, there was 80% employment day of graduation. So train people, get them hired. And that's the Incredible. nonprofit. So we have a, a great pipeline of high, of talent and also a lot of goodwill in the ecosystem, which helps us get into deals and, you know, do, you know, helps, helps us see things early on. And the other competitive advantages is um, 80% of our limited partners run later stage investment vehicles. Now Africa's booming. It's so sexy. Tiger's leading deals. Sequoia's established an office in Egypt, Google Ventures, you know, Andreessen, all these guys have done Africa assets. Um, YC is like, 50 plus investments in, in Africa now, um, bulk of those in Nigeria, but um, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And, and back when we started this out, we really wanted to be able to market make so um, we can guarantee access to later stage capital uh, to our portfolio companies through our limited partners, majority of whom run their own investment funds. And the next way is biz dev. And like for the Paystack example, et cetera, et cetera, we, we were able to help with um, banking connections. Our limited partners domestically uh, run the largest banks, uh, telecommunications companies are the largest exporters of various agriculture products and are uh, across Africa in the energy space. And so, you know, some of our LPs like telcos here, one of them has 150 million plus customers. And so we invest in a company and then we can introduce them and, and provide access to those, you know, rapid pan-African distribution relationships. And then also find out where the innovation is um, or where technology is needed as far as on the enterprise space from our limited partners who are running industries and main contributors to GDP. And they're, they're saying, go out there and find X, Y, Z, or this. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, and when you say, a, here's a space where we're going to be investing a lot of money over the next, you know, two, three years, because we haven't cracked this. If you yeah. find something, tell us yeah. about it. Yeah. And is that the, uh, when you say you wanted to be able to market make your, your, uh, I understand what you're saying. Is there a, a kind of a, a summary of simpler to you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So market making, what I mean by that is we want to make sure that, so the way that you can sort of 
the way that the, the funding life cycle of a, a technology company happens is, you know, we're at the very beginning of the life. And so the company launches, they have traction, um, you know, they're raising their, their first check of up to maybe, you know, a hundred thousand, um, could be up to $500,000. We're in those rounds. And then we do a, a post-seed follow-on and might participate in the series A and the company will continue to raise after that, likely until they're, they have their liquidity. And that means they could be acquired. That means they could publicly list. That means a big private equity firm could come take over their business. Um, but they'll need to be able to fundraise. Typically, some, some businesses don't fundraise. And, and, you know, just like the MailChimp was boot, uh, the acquisition, they were totally bootstrapped. Some of them, and particularly on a continent where there's like low cash burn, low labor costs, et cetera, more likely profitability. But just for all intents and purposes, assuming that these businesses to grow really, really fast, they have to raise money consistently through the life of the business. And because we're on the earlier stage and we only, you know, our fund one was only 10 million, our fund two is only 50 million. We can't back them in their, in their, you know, hundred to $200 million series A or series B rounds or series C or series D round. So we have to make sure that there are investors down the road, knowing that we can't provide the financing ourselves, that we have investors down the road who can continue to to finance those companies until they get to liquidity, until they get to those big, big exits that returns everyone's money. And so to market make, it's basically saying, make sure that there are later stage investors who will take over those companies once they get past our funding cycle, which is series A and earlier. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Makes all the sense, yeah. Okay. And I, I want to go back for a moment before we wrap up. Um, you mentioned that you do a 10-day silent retreat um, every year, and we have some people in our portfolio who do the same. And so I've, I've been curious about it. If anybody picked up on that and, and felt like, oh, that's something I'd want to think about, or you know, the way that you kind of described how you approach business these days, is there a starting point that someone could look at that you would recommend just off the cuff? Yeah. Yeah. And I think again, like I also was a terrible manager at first because I hadn't done the work on myself to, you know, even be in that place of awareness and even heal all the things so that I could show up really well and communicate effectively. Because if you can't communicate, if you can't empathize with the people that you work with, how are you going to inspire them? How are you going to even be aligned in KPIs and objectives, et cetera? So all of it's self-fulfilling, working on yourself, doing the work, you know, being practicing mindfulness and awareness, it all helps business as well. But as far as a place to start, you know, I wasn't good at meditating until I did a 10-day silent meditation retreat. People are like, oh, you have to work up to it. You should really know. No like just throw yourself in and you know no phone no eye contact silence for 10 days and it's actually a vacation of the mind because talking requires so much energy and we don't actually realize that until you get to be quiet you know you're every time you open your mouth you're convincing persuading you know negotiating blah 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 it, it's an exertion of energy and to just be able to be quiet and introspective and see things see reality the way it actually is without being distracted by all the noise is really truly profound and actually will help you as an investor because then you can see market opportunities and founders without the the mind buzzing you can be really wholly present it really helped me as even an investor to see objectively about you know the founders I was sitting with, the market sizing, you know, in partners that we are working with, um, and and to trust my gut more 
which has only benefited the business. So I would say start with go to dhamma.org, D-H-A-M-M-A.org. And it's donation-based 10-day silent meditation retreat. They have centers all around the world. Like you can pay a penny or you can pay a million bucks, whatever you decide the, the experience was worth at the end of it. Uh, all meals are provided. They provide you a place to sleep, et cetera, et cetera. And there are a couple books that are really um, easy in getting to the basics. Recently, I've read Essentialism. It's not about Buddhism or any or anything like that. It's just about you know clearing out the noise and getting to the simple simple state and focusing. Um, and there are a lot of very helpful books by Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, uh, practicing mindfulness is another one. Um, and just yeah, I'd say starting with those. And the last one is Mabel Katz, M A B E L, last name uh, K A T Z. Has a great, very easy YouTube series as well as Sid, uh, Sydney Banks. Amazing. So it's you got your starter pack. There's there's no <laughs> no excuse if you're interested to at least uh, dip a toe in that. Very cool. I think that's going to be incredibly helpful uh, uh, going in. Now to close out, what is next for you, and uh, what are you excited about? Yeah. So uh, we just spent the last few months really rebuilding and rethinking from first principle ground up our investment thesis and which informed our org chart. Like we, you can, you can go online. We just wrote an article called takes a village to raise an African startup that allowed us to um, it includes our thesis research and sort of our, our last 12 months of work. Um, and so rebuilding the thesis, which we just did, and then which informed to rebuilding the team and expanding the team significantly on fund two, uh, and then now the fundraise. So we're, we're in the middle of our $50 million fund two raise. Uh, and then I'm so excited to bring on a number of key executives and be that catalytic force that, that, you, uh, that you sort of helped me recognize in our last conversation. Thank you so much for that advice. Uh, and then we're in the middle also of raising a million dollars this year for Ingressive for Good, such that we can scale impact. It takes a dollar to train each technical talent. Uh, and we want to focus on that million dollars of talent trained uh, in the next uh, few years. And so yeah. that's our, that's the, that's, that's the immediate turn. <laughs> yeah, that sounds incredible. Uh, how do people keep up with what you're doing? I don't think we can. <laughs> but how do people at least try attempt to keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at M-A-Y-A-N-A-T-O-R, Mayanator. And I'm also on Twitter at Maya Horgan. And I'm also on LinkedIn at Maya Horgan Famodu. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I know we, we get to thankfully talk quite often and, um, let's do this man yeah you know let's let's I guess we'll have side-by-side -side yachts but I don't know yeah by then if I'll you know be in the RV because that's kind of I don't know if that's your vibe or not but <laughs> yeah and this well the, and the the hundreds of acres of forest that I co-own with all the my favorite people I'm I'm throwing that out there I hope to yes see yes mm -hmm. did you want to say anything quick about that or is it is it we're going to keep a lid on it um, I think we'll keep the lid on it, but if there's, if there's people who are very interested in, uh, rustic living and, um, market making in the wilderness, um, uh, uh, very interesting. There's, there's some stuff there. Mm -hmm. Gotta check out Maya. Okay. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.